Welcome to the Rock Church Audio Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us today. Rock Church is located on Harrison Avenue between Mulford and Perryville Roads in Rockford, Illinois. Now let's join Pastor Jared with today's message. So Exodus chapter 15, we'll be looking at verses 22 through 27. Um, I believe that uh, as we look at this again, you're going to kind of say, oh yeah, I remember that story. Because this is one of those um, significant moments in the lives of uh, the nation of Israel as they are exiting Egypt and heading towards the promised land. But it tends to be one of those things that we don't remember quite as much as some of the other things that uh, transpired in their journey. So I just believe that as I read this, it's going to come back to your remembrance and you're going to be like, yeah, I remember that because there is some really significant stuff in here. And let's take a look at it together as the scripture goes up on the screen. Verse 22 begins, so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah, and the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And there he made a statute and an ordinance for them. And there he tested them. And I want you to notice that he is capital he. Okay, so that tells us who's doing the testing and who's making the statutes. It's the Lord. And and it, it says, and he tested them and said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandment and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve wells of water and seventy palm trees, and so they camped there by the waters. So Lord, we just pray now that your word would settle into our hearts. Lord, as we've looked at it, as we've heard it with our ears, we pray, Father God, that you would begin to establish it, And Lord, as you plant it within us, Lord, we pray that it would produce life. We pray that you would give wisdom and understanding. And may for each of us, Lord, may there be specific points of application that will uh, be relevant to where we are. Uh, Points that will show us the way forward and that will uh, reveal your glory and your power. And we thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. So this event has taken place shortly after the deliverance from Egypt. In fact, it's three days after the parting of the Red Sea. And as the the journey is beginning from uh, deliverance from Egypt to the Promised Land, we find the children of Israel here in a situation that is producing a response That is not a response that the Lord would want them to have. They find 
bitter water in the midst of their, their dry and thirsty time. And what do they do? They begin to complain. And as we look at that word complain, we can begin to associate you know, several other words with it. We can begin to think about words like frustration. We can begin to think about words like disillusionment or discouragement. And that was uh, the, the moment and the experience that the people were having at that time. And that was the place where they found their hearts and its response. And as I thought about this, it kind of brought me back to a similar experience that that I had. Now, I was not dry and thirsty and dehydrated in the middle of the wilderness, so what I'm about to share with you is a little bit less significant than what we are looking at in the Scripture, but yet the response of my heart was the same. You're going to be shocked to discover that this story is centered around yet another home remodeling experience. Okay? I've had some people say, like, wow, you, you're always doing something, aren't you? And it's like, well, I kind of always find myself in a place where I have to be doing something. And um, don't let that uh, tempt you to believe that I know how to do a lot and I'm really good at a lot, okay? Here's the thing. I'm not afraid to fail. Um, I, I, you know, when I face a challenge or a problem that needs to be solved, um, I don't turn around and run the other way, but I tend to start with this. Well, what's the worst case scenario? <laughs> well, if the house isn't going to burn down, if it's not going to blow up, if no one's going to be harmed, if I'm not going to lose a limb, well, hey, what's there to lose? You know, let's get into it and, and, and uh, get started. And found myself in that place again, not at the house that we're at currently, but at uh, the house that we lived at previously. Now, this house um, was an interesting house because we bought it um, uh, very cheaply because it had been abandoned for a long time and it looked like it. <laughs> Windows were boarded up. Things were uh, in rough shape. We spent a lot of time getting it ready before we could even occupy it. And you know when you're in that space, you've got to kind of pick and choose, you know, what you're going to do and what's going to wait. And one of the things that waited was the bathroom. Um, the bathroom had this hideous wallpaper on it, and uh, we just painted over the wallpaper and texturized it, tried to hide it, just spruced it up, tried to make it look decent. And then about a couple of years after we had uh, moved in, Chris said, you know, I would really like to make the bathroom look better and right. I said, you know what, your birthday's coming up. I'll do this for your birthday, and I'll take the wallpaper down. We'll finish the walls, and we'll make it look good. So I start the process. And how many of you have ever taken wallpaper down? Oh my goodness. It keeps you close to Jesus, doesn't it? Yeah. So I'm not only taking wallpaper down, but all the texture and paint I had put on top of the wallpaper. Chris goes to bed. I'm taking the wallpaper down. And as it's coming off the wall, it's revealing issues with the plaster, electrical problems, old electrical abandoned in the wall, live wires taped off, not uh, handled correctly, fire hazard kind of stuff, plumbing still connected into the system but not capped off and handled correctly, 
And as I'm taking this wallpaper down and discovering all of these things, my mission shifted because the project went from cosmetic to remodel. And when Chris woke up the next morning, she woke up to see our bathroom gutted down to the studs. And she's like, what are we going to do? And why? What just happened? So I'm showing her all these things, and she's like, well, yeah, that makes sense. We don't want the house to burn down. How are we going to pay for it? I'm like, I don't know, but it's got to get done. We know God took care of that the next week through some miraculous provision. But my point is not necessarily what I found or what happened, but the point that I want you to focus on is how my heart responded to it. Because as I'm taking this wallpaper down and I discover cracks in the plaster and electrical that's a fire hazard and plumbing issues that are not, not uh, uh, resolved correctly, uh, my heart began to find itself in a place where I began to think in my mind, if it's not one thing, it's another. You know, why can't anything in life be simple? You know, why can't I just take wallpaper down, finish the wall, paint it, and call it good? What's going to go wrong next? You see, frustration, discouragement, disillusionment, and these were the same things that the children of Israel were experiencing as they came upon the waters of Mara because they were thirsty, they were dehydrated, they were parched, and then they found that the waters were bitter. And you know what? Life brings us to those kinds of things in our journey. But I want you to know this. Sometimes God allows it, and then there are moments when He uses those moments where the water tastes a little bit bitter. When the natural response of our heart is to feel discouraged, to complain, to be frustrated, to be disillusioned. And you may say, yeah, I'm well aware of that, but here's the next step that we need to take. Oftentimes when we step into church, we take those frustrations and we bury them. Because it's not very Christian to allow them to be something that is being shown or even talked about sometimes. Because we feel like I've got to hide it in order to be accepted. And today... As we look at the bitter waters of Mara, I want to encourage you in this. Don't set aside the things that have been sources of discouragement. But rather, put them front and center and out in front. And make the posture and the response of your heart this. I am going to seek God in the middle of it because He is the one and the only one who is able to turn bitter wells into sweet water. And I think some of us need to believe that today. We need to reaffirm that in our lives today. The God I serve is able to turn bitter things into sweet water. Because that's his heart. You see, when, when I look at this text, I don't just see the challenge or the circumstance, but rather I see the heart of God that is being revealed in the middle of it. 
Because in the middle of this and in this conversation that the Lord is having with His people, He is reminding them of this. I am the God who heals you. His heart is for your healing, for your wholeness, for your restoration, for your redemption. Because He wants to give you life, even when life brings bitterness. And then he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you how to experience the things that I want to give you. And it has to do with following my ordinances and my statutes. And we're going to look at that in just a minute and what that means. Because God is good. He not only tells us what he wants to give us. But he tells us how to receive it. I am the Lord who heals you. So a couple of observations here about uh, you know, why this uh, occurrence in the wilderness um, was necessary. One is, it's clear that the Lord had more in mind. <laughs> The Israelites are focused on the moment, but the Lord had more in mind. It was, it was not just about being delivered out of Egypt. It was not just about arriving at a bitter well. But rather, this was an experience that was designed to change them. It was an experience that was designed to reveal to them who God was. So that they could know Him more. It was an experience that was to affirm the need to be in covenant relationship with Him. And because of that, it, it, it taught them some lessons. So the test here was a teaching opportunity. A couple of things the Lord was endeavoring to teach them was this. Uh, they had more of Egypt in them than they thought. Uh, they had been delivered from the land, but Egypt still occupied their heart. They complained. Well, you know what? That's what they did in Egypt. As Moses said, let my people go. Pharaoh said, you know what? You're going to regret the day you said that. And I'm going I'm to up the quota and I'm going to limit the resources. In other words, I'm going to expect more out of you, but I'm going to give you less to get the job done. It was oppression. Pharaoh's oppression upon the people. Making a point that he was in charge. They belonged to him and to no other God. And what did they do? They complained. So there was this, there was this posture of the heart that was still rooted in Egypt. And I believe that this is the emphasis of the text. Because we want to make the text about the bitter water. When in reality the text talks more about the need for the people to be transformed. So arriving at the waters of Mara from the Lord's perspective. Was an opportunity for them to become less Pharaoh-centered and more Yahweh-centered. 
revealed to them that there were areas and places within their hearts that needed to be changed. And because of this, the lessons that the Lord is endeavoring to teach His people in this moment serve as an invitation. Leave the old behind. Enter into the new. And in that regard, Moses serves as the example to follow. The people complained, and Moses cried out to God. So, so this, this kind of testing or training that life brings to us, how does the Lord work that out in our lives? We see it in Moses. Because number one, he cried out to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord. When he didn't know what to do, he didn't look around, but he looked up. He called on the name of the Lord. And in essence, he said, Lord, show me. Lord, show me. I'm in a place where I don't know what to do. Show me what you would have me to do. And the Lord did. The Lord answered very quickly. Verse 25 says he showed him a tree. Okay, that was an answer to, to Moses' prayer. And, and, and we're going to see in just a moment how a tree can be an answer to prayer. Okay, But our cry should be, Lord, show me. And I want to give you kind of two specific things that are... are are relevant to us when we find ourselves drinking from a bitter well. What, what, what are we to ask the Lord to show us? There are many answers to that question, but I want to give you two things that are kind of larger in their nature, a little bit more encompassing to the whole of life. Number one, ask the Lord to show you the big picture. Lord, what does this mean? Lord, what does this mean? Lord, show me the big picture. Show me what you are doing. This, 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 this cry of the heart uh, comes from a desire to partner with Him and to not go our own way, which is the, the place and the space that the church should occupy. See, we're not called to to execute our own plans and to ask the Lord to bless them, but rather we're to partner with Him in what He is doing. So Lord, show me the big picture. Show me what You are doing. It's a, it's a very relevant cry of the heart for the time that we find ourselves in. Daily and weekly, you know, you know people are, are asking me questions like, who do you think the Antichrist is? Do you think he's on the earth yet? Are these the end times? Are these the last days? And I'm not just talking church folk. It's, it's out in the community. You know, the, everything that's going on has got, got people 
you know, a little bit more awake than they had been in the past. Like, what in the world's going on in the world today, right? And what's the mark of the beast? I mean, what's, what's that all about? And, and it, do, you, do you think the rapture's going to happen soon, Pastor? Lord, show me the big picture. What does this mean? What are you doing? Where are we at in history? And you know, all of these big questions that we have, they are, they are open to interpretation. And you know what? When it comes to the prophetic, time is always a valuable commodity. Okay? Because time and truth go hand in hand. So if we jump to conclusions... Oftentimes, we find ourselves maybe speaking a little early and with not quite as much understanding as we thought we had, but when we allow time to enter into the equation, truth is, is, is always revealed because some of these things are open to interpretation. We don't know yet. And I got to tell you, um, the Bible says we don't know when the day of his arrival is, Right? So as, as we live in this big picture time with lots of questions and lots of significant things going on, you know, Lord, show me how to live in that space and to be salt and light for you. What does that look like? And in my estimation, it looks like a couple of things. Number one, I'm going to live in a, in, a, in, a, in a position of being prepared. All right? And we talked a few weeks ago about that, how, you know, Paul believed he was living you know, at the end of days. And because of that, he lived every day as if he was going to stand before the Lord. That's, that's living prepared. You have the parable of, of the virgins. You know, some had enough uh, oil in their lamp and others didn't. It's a, it's a picture of, of being prepared for when the bridegroom comes and, and we have to be there. That's why Jesus said, watch and pray. You know, be alert and pray. Understand what's going on, but pray. Let the Lord reveal the truth that answers the, the, the big questions. But then, you know, I just have this conviction for me personally that no matter when he comes back, when he does, I want to be found in him. You know, I don't want to be wrapped up in, 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 in all this speculation and all this uncertainty, but rather I want to be found in him. I want to be found serving him. I, I want to be found partnering with him. I want to be found doing his work. So how do, I, how do we navigate you know, the, the, the big picture things that, that, that we oftentimes find ourselves asking the Lord the question, what does this mean? I think we navigate it that way. By being prepared and allowing time and truth to play a role in being found in him and and here's 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 my conviction so i, I want to just kind of speak to the church at large right now <laughs> you know in in the last days the church is to be the voice of hope and truth revealing christ And I'd, I'd like to see a little bit more of that and a little bit less of doomsday and apocalypse. 
you know, not that those topics and issues, that, not that they don't have a place, but rather, I believe that as those things are unfolding, what the Scriptures reveal should be true in us. You know, Paul says in, in, in 1 Thessalonians, as he talks about the rapture, comfort one another with these words. So our life is to be something that is, that is delivering comfort in the midst of trial. You know, Jesus said, when you see these things, look up, for your redemption draweth nigh. In other words, a part of the interpretation of that for me is look to Him. Which, in essence, is what I believe John is declaring throughout the entire book of Revelation. See, the book of Revelation should not be producing fear within God's people, but rather it should be producing confidence and comfort because it's the revelation of Jesus Christ in the last days and what He is going to do. And these things have been given to us for our understanding. So that we do not walk in uncertainty, but rather we walk in hope and expectation. Lord, the big picture, Lord, what are you doing? Show me. It needs to be the cry of our heart, but then and it needs to go one step further. Lord, show me the big picture, but then Lord, show me my part. That was what Moses was saying. Lord, you've put me here to lead these people. How do I lead them in this place where they are thirsty but the waters are bitter. Lord, show me my part. Lord, show me how to be salt and light. And I just I want to I want to expose right now, I think one of the strategies of the enemy. He wants to take the good things that God wants to do in your life and he wants to twist them and pervert them. And he and he wants you to operate not in the fullness of what Christ has designed you for. I've had this conversation with, 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 with people over the last several weeks. And their, their hearts have had heightened concern over the world and politics and the state of the church and, and, and the way the government has tried to impose their will upon the church. And I agree we have to face these things. And we have to raise a standard against them because that's the call of the Scripture. But look, I am not going to allow it to produce fear in my heart. But rather, I choose to believe and to help you see this. Maybe God has shown you what He has shown you not so that you can react to it, but so that you can occupy the space of a watchman in his kingdom. You know, the name of the Lord is a high tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. Every tower has a watchman on top who's looking out at the horizon to see if there is a threat coming. And when a threat comes, they call the people to action. And it's not an action 
that works in competition to what God is doing, but rather it is an action that works in concert. So don't let the enemy take the things that you are seeing and twist them, but rather ask the Lord to show you what your part is. Maybe the Lord is calling you to get on your knees to intercede for this day and this hour. Maybe the Lord is saying, you know what? There's a new assignment in your life because the, the hour has changed. Don't allow yourself to be sidelined, but engage in the fight. Lord, show me your part. Now let's come back around to the tree. The Lord said, show me. Show me. And it says, the Lord showed him a tree. you got to wonder what Moses was first thinking when the Lord said, hey, look at that tree over there. There is some powerful symbolism in that little phrase. When you, when, when you dig into uh, the original language and, 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 and kind of uh, go beyond the surface. And it is, it is a significance that communicates to us the reality that the truth of what is found in this text is not just for the moment, but rather it is something that goes beyond the moment the children came to the well of Marah. In other words, it speaks to us and applies to us today. The, um, the word showed here can also be the word instructed or instruction. So if you, if you take that literally, you can say the Lord instructed him a tree. <laughs> Let's dig a little bit deeper. Why, why, why is that significant? Well, what does the word Torah mean? The word Torah means instruction. So you could also take that phrase to say the Lord Torahed Moses, a tree. Okay, Torah being the law of God. So here's the, the great symbolism here. And here's the reason why the Lord goes on to say, if you follow my statutes and my ordinances... The things that I put upon the Egyptians will not be upon you. When we arrive at wells of bitterness that discourage us and frustrate us and disillusion us, the Lord showing Moses a tree reminds us that the transformation is found not in anything in this world, but rather it is supernatural and divine in the sense that when we apply the instruction, the statutes, the ordinances of God to the specifics 
of our situation. There is a transformation that is divine that comes to us. The Lord is saying, as I am getting Egypt out of your heart, I'm reminding you of my law or my ways. So don't live like an Egyptian anymore. Live like a child of God. Apply my word. Apply my truth. And then here's the beauty of the picture for us in the new covenant. Jesus was crucified on a tree, on a cross. And when we arrive at bitter wells, and we taste of them, and we have that, that yuck in our mouths, we know exactly where we are to go. We are to turn to the cross and the one who died there because in him is freedom. In him is salvation. In him is liberty. In him is transformation. But you know, there are those moments and those times where we don't just come, but we have to keep coming. And that's one of the differences here. Moses got a quick answer to prayer, but every answer to prayer is not quick. Now how do we, how do we live in that space? I'll give you kind of two things that are essential. One is we must have faith in Him. Keep the faith. Psalm 50, verse 15. It's a promise to us. There the psalmist declares, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify You know, that is the hook that we hang our faith on. When we call upon the name of the Lord, He delivers us. And what He does gives glory to His name. But then there's this reality of sometimes it takes more time than we want. So we have to maintain faith, but then we have to wait patiently on Him. Psalm 37, verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret. You didn't know that uh, David was a Southern Baptist, right? He says, don't fret. Because of Him who prospers in His ways or because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Whoa. A couple of keys that jump out of that, that one verse in Psalm 37. Kind of speak to the reality of our waiting and our enduring. When we find ourselves in that place, 
the only way that we find rest in the Lord is if we don't allow the need to overtake us. We can become so focused on what we are waiting for that it becomes the center. And here's the reality. You know, sometimes waiting kind of slows down time. Not literally, but figuratively. It feels like we've been waiting for a very long time. You know, this is a, a very real reality when we're waiting for something related to physical healing. You know, when you, uh, when, when you stand with a person who's experiencing chronic pain and you're, you're, you're praying for the Lord to r- release that pain, you know, that, 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 that's, that's a challenging place to be. Especially when the prayers go from an hour to a day to a week to a month to a year. And I've been there. I've been there with my family. And here's the thing. You cannot allow the pain to be Lord. So part of waiting and a part of enduring is learning to establish Christ as Lord over the thing that you're waiting for. But then also to avoid comparison. So that's why David here in Psalm 37 says, you know, don't fret because of him who prospers in his way or because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Because the temptation in the waiting is to start to look around and to compare. You know, Lord, you answered that prayer, but not mine. Lord, they're doing something wicked and they're prospering and I'm stuck. And David says, don't do that, but rest in him. So we have to avoid this uh, reality of looking for the quick fix. Because from the Lord's perspective, he's looking at more than the moment. There oftentimes is as much value in the process as there is in the outcome. And that's the, that's the redemptive power of God. That every step along the journey has value. And it's not just about the answer, but it oftentimes is about what we learn as we wait for the answer. So there has to be a marriage between faith and patience when the answers are answers that do not come quickly. And then one of the ways that we kind of stimulate that, and this will move me to the last point, is this. While we're calling on the name of the Lord, while we're obediently following His instruction, 
And we wait. Even in the waiting, we do have something to look forward to. Because times of refreshing follow times of testing. Verse 27 of our text. Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve wells of water and seventy palm trees. So they camped there by the waters. There's a little bit of a contrast here. It says they came to the waters of Mara. In other words, you know, life kind of brought that to them. But then as they chose and went in another direction, they end up at Elam and they camped. <laughs> in other words, they put stakes down and they didn't move on quickly. And it reminds us that as the Lord is teaching us, He's a compassionate teacher. There are always times of refreshing that follow times of testing. The Lord gave them what they needed at Elam. Yeah, Mara was difficult. Mara was challenging. But it gave them the resources to get to Elam. And when they got to Elam, the compassion of the Lord was on display. Because there were 12 wells, one for each tribe. And 70 palm trees for them to rest under and to escape the heat of the sun. But notice this, refreshing came as they went in a new direction. The tree, the Torah, the instruction being applied to the bitter water and making it sweet caused them to go in a new direction. That's called repentance. That's what repentance is. It's to turn around, to go in another direction. So as the Lord was getting Egypt out of their hearts and establishing His Lordship in their lives to a greater degree, He said, go that way, because that way is my refreshing, my renewal. Acts 3.19 the apostles are proclaiming the gospel. And they say this, Repent, for there are times of refreshing in the Lord's presence. We have something to look forward to. Through His law, through His instruction, the Lord gets us pointed in the right direction. And the things that we learn lead us to a place of experiencing a renewal that only He can give us. And we shouldn't be surprised. Because these words will sound familiar. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Psalm 23, 2 and 3. That's what we see the Lord doing at the waters of Mara. He turns our bitter things 
into sweet things as we apply his instruction, his statutes, and his ordinances. And we've had a week of prayer, and I, and I want us to take a moment as we conclude here for a prayerful response. This Sunday is the, the bridge between last week and the week to come. And as you received your bulletin, you noticed on the back side that there is uh, a heading that just says journal and reflection, and then there are some lines. And we're going to conclude this way. We've, we've, we've looked at God's Word. It has spoken to us. The, the Holy Spirit has, has pricked your heart in some way. And now I want you to turn to the Lord in prayer. I want you to say, Lord, show me what I need to see. And then as he does that, just begin to write down the things that he is identifying. Maybe you've been drinking from a bitter well. I don't know, but the Lord does. You know, maybe um, some enduring and some patience and the waiting is, is, is the test that you are up against right now. I want you to ask the Lord to help you identify you know, what He is longing to do in you. So make where you are a, a, a prayer altar, and at home you do the same thing. You just find a piece of paper and grab a pen and just begin to jot down those one, those two, those three things that the Lord is revealing to you. And I'm going to give you just a moment to uh, have space to do that. Write those things down. And now make your prayer. You know, Lord, you, Lord, show me the new direction. How do I need to apply your word to my response? So 
Lord gives you a scripture, write that scripture down. Maybe he's going to give you a promise right now. Write that promise down. writing down and documenting so that we can remember. encourage you to maybe duplicate this exercise maybe this afternoon or as a part of your week of prayer here in the sanctuary or in your prayer closet at home have a heart that just cries out to the Lord that says Lord show me show me and then write down what he reveals would you stand with me as we conclude our time together Lord, we come to you with open hands and hungry hearts. Lord, we, uh, we pray, Lord God, for you to reveal things and to show us, Lord, how we need to apply your word to our response. And Father, I pray that our testimony would be that of bitter waters made sweet. Lord, starting today and throughout the week, and may there just be turnaround even. Lord, show us what you're doing, but show us what you would have us to do. And we thank you in advance for that. I pray, Lord, that as we go, Lord, may we go in your grace and your peace. May you watch over us and keep us. May you help us. May you bring us back again to your house very soon. And we'll rejoice in that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We hope this has been a blessing in your life. And we look forward to having you joining us in person for a service soon. Our service times are Thursday nights at 7 o'clock and two services on Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. God bless you.